بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so today we start uh, a new series of lessons upon a mighty hadith from the hadith qudsiya and this is the famous hadith of abu dhar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and it is with the explanation of the sheikh al-allama rabi' ibn hadi al-madkhali hafizahullahu ta'ala and so we'll start with the text of the hadith the sheikh begins his treatise after the khutbatul hajah with uh, the mention of the hadith so he says at'arrad li dhikr hadith qudsiyyin azim ala wa huwa hadith abi dhar radiyallahu anhu fa'anhu radiyallahu anhu an rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi ma yarwihi an rabbihi tabarak wa ta'ala so he says i will begin by mentioning the hadith qudsi a mighty hadith qudsi which is the hadith of abu dhar radiyallahu anhu and so from him who narrated from the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from that which he narrates from his lord fima yarwihi an rabbihi so this hadith this speech now is being narrated by the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from his lord from his lord from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he says fima yarwihi an rabbihi tabarak wa ta'ala annahu qala so from his lord the blessed and exalted that he said ya ibadi inni haramtu adh-dhulma ala nafsi wa ja'altuhu baynakum muharrama fala tadhalamu so he said o my sir o my servants indeed i have made oppression adh-dhulm to be unlawful upon myself and i have made it to be unlawful between you so do not oppress yourselves in fact in this hadith there are 10 segments there are 10 parts to this hadith and within this hadith you will see that it contains the attributes of allah azza wa jal the tawhid of allah azza wa jal the rububiyyah of allah azza wa jal the qudra of allah azza wa jal so this hadith it is a, it is a mighty hadith in the topic of tawhid itself so there are 10 segments to the hadith so this is the first one the first one is about the prohibition of zulm the unlawfulness of zulm of oppression allah has made it lawful upon himself and he's made it unlawful between his servants then he said ya ibadi kullukum ja'iun illa man at'amtuhu fastat'imuni ut'imkum o my servants all of you afwan i missed uh, the one before that ya ibadi kullukum dal illa man hadaytuh fastahduni ahdikum o my servants all of you are misguided you are misguided except the one whom i guide so seek guidance from me and i shall guide you so this now is about allah azza wa jalla being the one who guides and who misguides the one in whose hand is guidance and misguidance then the third party continues ya ibadi kullukum ja'iun illa man at'amtuhu fastat'imuni at'imkum o my servants all of you are hungry except the one whom i feed so seek provision from me food from me and i shall feed you so this now is in relation to rizq and the fact that allah azza wa jal he is the grantor of rizq to every creature and it is sought from him then he continues ya ibadi kullukum arin illa man kasawtuh fastaksuni aksukum 
O my servants, all of you are naked, except the one whom I clothe. So seek clothing from me, and I shall clothe you. Then he continues, Ya ibadi, innakum tukhti'una bil-layli wal-nahar, wa ana aghfiru al-dhunuba jami'a, fastaghfiruni aghfir lakum. O my servants, all of you, you are, you, you, you make mistakes, you sin by night and by day. And I forgive all sins. So seek forgiveness from me and I shall forgive you. And he continues, Ya ibadi innakum lan tablughu durri fatadurruni wa lan tablughu naf'i fatanfa'uni. O my servants, indeed, you will never be able to reach me with harm such that you harm me nor will you be able to reach me with benefit such that you benefit me then he continues ya ibadi law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum kanu ala atqa qalbi rajulin wahidin minkum ma zada dhalika fi mulki shay'a o my servants if the first of you and the last of you and the men among you and the jinn among you, and the jinn of you, were, were upon, or were like, or had, the, 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 the heart of the most pious man amongst you, then this wouldn't increase anything in my, in my dominion. It wouldn't increase me in anything. Ya ibadi, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum, wa insakum wa jinnakum kanu ala afjari qalbi rajulin wahidin minkum, مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ مُلْكِ شَيْئًا O my servants, if the first of you and the last of you and the men of you and the jinn of you among you were upon or had the, the, the heart of the vilest, the most vilest or the most sinful man among you, this would not decrease my dominion in anything. يَا عِبَادِي لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ كَامُوا فِي سَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ فَسَأَلُونِي فَأَعْطَيْتُ كُلَّ إِنْسَانٍ مَسْأَلَتَهُ مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا عِنْدِي إِلَّا كَمَا يَنْقُصُ الْمِخْيَةُ إِذَا أُدْخِلَ الْبَحَرُ O my servants, if the first of you, the last of you, the men among you, the jinn among you were to stand in a single plane, stand in a single open plane, and were to ask me, and then I was to give every person whatever he asked for, this would not decrease what I have. Except like when a you know like a needle is put in the ocean and it is lifted out. What is decreased from the ocean? No, it implies nothing is decreased from the ocean. So and then finally, Ya ibadi innamahiya innamahiya a'amalukum uhsiha lakum thumma uwafikum iyaha faman wajada khairan falyahmadillah waman wajada ghaira dhalika fala yalumanna illa nafsa. O my servants, indeed it is only your actions which I enumerate for you, which I account for you. Then I shall reward you for them, I shall recompense you for them. So whoever finds goodness, then let him praise Allah. And whoever finds other than that, then let him not blame except himself. This is Akhrajahu al-Imam Muslim, reported by Muslim in his Sahih. So the Shaykh, Hafizahullah, begins by saying, Hada hadithun azim. This is a great and mighty hadith. وَكَانَ أَحَدْ رُوَاتِهِ هُوَ أَبُوْ إِدْرِيسَ الْخَوْلَانِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى إِذَا حَدَّثَ بِهِ جَثَى عَلَى رُكْبَتَيْهِ One of the narrators of this hadith is Abu Idris al-Khawlani from one of the, uh, from amongst the Salaf. And whenever he used to narrate this hadith, he would fall down on his knees because of the greatness of this hadith, the heaviness of this hadith. The mightiness of this hadith, it would bring him and humble him and subdue him and put him on his knees because of what this hadith contains. The Shaykh says, Because of the greatness of this hadith, because it is from 
the speech of Allah. This hadith is the actual speech of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is because, as the Shaykh goes on to explain, the hadith Qudsiyyah min kalamillah al-fadiha wa ma'aniha that they, that they are from the speech of Allah. The, the words and the meanings, the meanings and the words, they are from Allah Azza wa Jal. And it is not like he said by some of the people of desires, in al ma'na min Allah wal al-fadhu min Muhammadin sallam. Some of the people of desires, they say that the hadith Qudsi, the meaning is from Allah, but the wording is from Muhammad sallam. This is incorrect. This is the view of the people of desires. Rather, we see that the messenger of Allah وسلم, he ascribes this hadith to his Lord. He says that Allah, he says Allah said. So this is clear, it's very apparent that this is something that Allah said. And as for the other hadith, which he says from his, you know, with, with his words, then the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, they say, Qala Rasulullah. They make it clear that the messenger of Allah said. Whereas in these types of hadiths, you can clearly see Abu Dhar, Fima Yarwihi An Rabbihi. He said from that which he relates from his Lord. So now this is very clear in, a, in in inscription that this is now being ascribed to Allah Himself. Whereas the Sahaba would say, Qala Rasulullah and we know that the Prophet wouldn't ascribe those types of words, he never ascribed them to Allah. Even if the meaning itself is from Allah, it's inspired by Allah. So, this is the first point or the first benefit that this is a tremendous and mighty hadith. And as you've seen, that this hadith is really about the tawheed of Allah, the greatness of Allah, how He is the provider of guidance, the provider of food, the provider of clothing, the one who forgives, uh, the one who is al-ghani, he is not in need of anything. His creation cannot benefit him in anything, nor can they harm him in anything. And if the whole of creation was to ask for something, it wouldn't decrease his dominion. So all of this is the qudra of Allah the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the tawheed of Allah So the first point is, the mightiness of this hadith, how it is a humbling hadith, and secondly, that it is from the speech of Allah Azza wa Jal, and not as is said by the people of desires, that the meanings from Allah and the wordings from the Messenger. So the Shaykh then starts with the first part of the hadith, Yaqulu Allahu Azza wa Jal, fi hadha al-hadith, Ya ibadi, inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi, wa ja'altuhu baynakum muharrama, fala tadhalamu. O oh my servants, indeed, I have made oppression unlawful upon myself. And I've made it unlawful among you. So do not oppress each other. So the Shaykh says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made dhulm unlawful upon himself. And he does not commit even an atom's weight of oppression. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said in his book, in his noble book, in Allah Indeed, Allah does not oppress the weight of an atom, the amount of the weight of an atom. And if there is a good deed, he will multiply it and bring from himself a mighty reward. Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, verse 40. So this means very clearly that if you come to Allah with such and such amount of sins, then he will not add anything to your sins. And if you come with such and such amount of deeds, then he will not decrease anything, not an atom's weight from your deeds. Even if it's an atom's weight, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, from his bounty is that he will treat your sins exactly as they are, but he will multiply your good deeds, a deed with 10 times its like, up to 700 times its like, and thereafter even multiple times more after that as well. So this is from the great bounty 
and mercy of Allah that sins and evils are treated exactly as they are and as for good deeds they are multiplied ten times over to seven hundred to even more multiples of that thereafter and so Allah he says in another ayah in the Quran فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَهُ Surah Zalzala Whoever does an atom's weight of goodness will see it and whoever does an atom's weight of evil will see it. So what does all of this, what does it show? It shows and it proves and establishes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is adlun, that he is just. And he has commanded us with justice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is adlun wa amarana bil adal وَشَرِيْعَتُهُ عَدْلٌ وَشَرَائِعُهُ كُلُّهَا عَدْلٌ وَحِكْمَةٌ That Allah is adl, that He is just. And that He has commanded us to be just, with justice. And that His shari'ah is justice. And that all of the individual, the shara'ah, meaning the, the, the ahkam, the rulings, they are all justice and wisdom. There is justice and wisdom in all of them. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at the same time, he has made zulm to be unlawful in all of the milal wa nihl. Zulm is unlawful in every type of, you know, in all religion, in every milal, in every nihl. Zulm has been prohibited, meaning this is universal. This is, this is, this is something that Allah Zawajal, he has imprinted this upon a human it is in the fitra of his servants that dhulm is unlawful and to hate and dislike dhulm it is something that Allah has imprinted upon the souls no one likes dhulm everyone knows that dhulm is wrong when he's wronged he knows intrinsically it's wrong when he sees other people have dhulm done upon them in their wealth in their honor in their blood, in their in whatever, in their possession, in their wealth, a person knows that it is zulm. He dislikes zulm, no matter who that person might be. Muslim, non-Muslim makes no difference. Zulm is zulm. This is something imprinted upon the souls. It is from the fitra of Allah's servants. وَفَطَرَ عِبَادَهُ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِ الظُّلْمِ He basically put in the fitra of his servants. The, the unlawfulness of zulm and to hate it وَفَطَرَهُمْ عَلَىٰ حُبِّ الْعَدَلْ وَلَوْ كَانُوا كُفَّارًا And he, you know, he, he imprinted upon them, he made it from their fitra to love justice, even if they were non-Muslims, disbelievers. And even the disbelievers, فَالْكُفَّارِ يَمْدَحُونَ الْعَدَلْ لَا يَذُمُّونَهُ Even they, they praise justice. They do not criticize justice. And they criticize oppression. They find it blameworthy. And they were yuharibun of zalimin. So even among the non-Muslims, because it is something that is universal. Injustice, to recognize it is universal. So you will find that amongst all of the uh, non-Muslims, you will find that they fight against injustice in whatever forms uh, that, they, that they do. That doesn't mean that injustice doesn't exist. But it shows that the nations, they do fight against injustice and you can see that clearly and apparently so the shaykh goes on to say فَفَطَرَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ عِبَادَهُ جَمِيعًا عَلَىٰ حُبِّ الْعَدَلْ وَكَرَاحَةِ الظُّلْمِ وَالْمُسْلِمُونَ أَوْلَىٰ أَنْ يَلْتَزِمُوا الْعَدَلْ so Allah has imprinted upon all of his servants to love justice and to hate dhulm but the Muslims are more worthy that they should abide by justice of all the people the Muslims are more worthy than that, that, that they should abide by justice. وَأَنْ يُحَارِبُوا الظُّلْمِ فِي الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَعْرَاضِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ And it is more worthy that they are the ones who fight against injustice in people's reputations and honors, in their wealth, in, in their wealth and in their souls. يَقُولُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ The Prophet he said, إِنَّ دِمَاءَكُمْ وَأَمْوَالَكُمْ وَأَعْرَاضَكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ حَرَامٌ 
كحرمه يومكم هذا في بلدكم هذا في شهركم هذا indeed your blood your wealth your honors are all inviolable upon you they are inviolable just like the inviolability or the sanctity of this day of yours in this city of yours in this month of yours and so this is a hadith related by al bukhari so from this the sheikh says it is therefore upon us that we abandon and avoid zulm and we do not oppress each other in that which is between us doing this out of obedience and fulfillment of the prohibition of Allah in this hadith because it is Allah Azawajal who said fala tadhalamu this is now a command from Allah Azawajal directly so when we avoid zulm we are making imtithal we are fulfilling we are carrying out the command of Allah Azawajal and it is obligatory upon a Muslim that he is someone who is yatahriya sidq that he is someone who you know always yatahra sidq he he is always um, following he's being truthful and he's being just in everything that comes in everything that comes in his speech in his actions because allah azawajal has made zulm unlawful what wa'ada alayhi al-wa'id al-shadid he has made a severe threat against zulm and if you were to make zulm ayyuhal muslim an atom's weight even for example the sheikh says qadiban min araq even just a twig a small twig's amount from the araq tree which is the tree that you get the miswak from meaning that if you're unjust against someone you cheated him out of a small twig of of, of a miswak then allah azawajal will hold you to account in severely ashaddul hisab just 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 for that even for that so this then indicates the severe prohibition of zulm and that this prohibition is universal it is something that allah has imprinted upon the souls and the hearts to dislike zulm and to see it as being unlawful and to hate it and to avoid it and it shows what is desirable for a muslim in his behavior and his dealings So once all of this is clear the sheikh then goes on to mention that there are three types of zulm. Once we've understood the greatness of this issue of zulm and it opposes the adl the justice with which Allah has created the heavens and the earth then we need to understand that zulm itself is of three types. The first zulm that the sheikh mentions is a type of zulm that can never be forgiven and it is the greatest type of zulm and this is wa yakunu bishirki billahi azza wa jal this zulm now is the shirk with allah azza wa jal it is to set up partners with allah azza wa jal and this is something that allah azza wa jal does not forgive he does not forgive the person who meets him whilst having committed this zulm was being upon this zulm qala allah tbaraka wa ta'ala inna allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi wa yaghfiru ma duna dhalika liman yasha indeed allah does not forgive that partners are associated with him in worship but he forgives what is less than that to whomever he wills surah an-nisa surah 4 verse 48 so if a person was to oppress himself transgress against himself with with shirk then allah tbarak wa ta'ala has promised has stated clearly that he will not forgive the shirk and he has promised he has threatened he is in fact he has threatened this person with khulud with eternity in uh, in al jahim in the hellfire why because this is the greatest sin it is the greatest crime how can you take with allah rivals andad how can you make andad with allah how can you make rivals and equals with allah when allah azawajal he is the one who created this creation and he regulated this creation and he subjected many affairs in his creation to you and for your benefit 
and for your sustenance and for your welfare. He's the one who did all that. So how then after this can you ascribe, how can you worship and be grateful to other than him for the things that he has given to you? This is great and mighty injustice. It is putting, thing, putting things out of their proper place, which is dhul. And adal is to put things in their proper place. And so Allah Azawajal, he says, كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَكُنْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحْيِيكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ How can you disbelieve in Allah? When you were dead, you were devoid of life. Then he gave you life. Then he will cause you to die. Then he will revive you again. And then to him shall you return. هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فَسَوَّهُنَّ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتِ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ He is the one who created for you everything in the earth, upon the earth. Then he ascended to the heaven and fashioned it into seven heavens. And he is knowing of every single thing. At the beginning of, beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah 28 and 29. And he also said, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ he subjected for you, for your benefit and your use, whatever is in the heavens and in the earth. So why did Allah subject all of these heavens and all of these, uh, all of these heavens and this earth to man? Why did he do this? Rather he did this, لِيَقُومَ بِحُقُوقِ اللَّهِ عَلِيهِ he did, it, he did it to facilitate for that person, for, for, for man, to fulfill the rights that are due to Allah from him. So everything that we have been given of, you know, the phenomena of the night and the day, the sun and the moon, the rain, the animals, the trees, the, the winds, everything, all of the things that we enjoy, that we benefit, which sustain our life, everything, all of that is to allow people to establish the rights of Allah that are due upon them. So after all of this, how can a person set up rivals for Allah and worship them instead? This is the greatest and mightiest injustice. As the Sheikh says, هَذِهِ جَرِيمَةٌ kubra. This is the greatest crime. It will not be forgiven with Allah. Wa it is the most evil, repugnant, ugly of sins. And the most evil of them, that you take rivals with Allah. Or you take a rival with Allah, which itself does not own anything, does not control anything, does not have power over benefit, does not have power over harm, nor over death, nor over life, nor, over, nor can it revive anything or resurrect anything. So how can someone take alongside Allah something like this and worship it besides him? So all of this is the greatest, the greatest crime. And then the Shaykh goes on to speak about some of the ways that this can manifest. What are some of the ways that this type of uh, shirk can manifest? And he explains by giving a couple of examples. First is in the issue of al-mahabba, the issue of love, where you transgress in the issue of love. And the type of love that is due for Allah, you give it to others besides him. And likewise, the issue, another issue of tawakkul, which is reliance, relying on others besides Allah Azawajal. So the Shaykh goes on to speak about these two affairs because of their importance, because they are from the great and mighty affairs of worship. So he says, sometimes a person might take a rival with Allah, even in the issue of al-mahabbah, even in the issue of love love this emotion and this feeling. And this is when he loves someone or something from the creation with a love that is due to Allah Azawajal. And this no doubt, he says, is shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah, ta'ala, he says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Amongst mankind are those who take besides Allah rivals, they love them as with the love of Allah, as the love of Allah, as with the love that is due to Allah. And those who believe 
are more intense in their love for Allah. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 165. So, At-Tawakkul, this love, and At-Tawakkul, and perfect, complete love, is only for Allah Azza wa Jal. And any love that you do have, it is a love that is for the sake of Allah. That love now follows on. It is because you love Allah, and that Allah loves certain things, that you love those things. So your love of those things follows on from the love of Allah. So for example, Allah He loves the Anbiya, He loves the, loves the Rasul, He loves the Prophets, He loves the Messengers, He loves the Malaika, the Angels, He loves the, the books, the believers, the righteous believers, He loves all of these things are things which Allah loves. And so when a believer loves what he loves, it is something that follows on from the love of Allah Azza wa Jal. And in this way, his love can never ever be misplaced. So the Shaykh says, Therefore do not take alongside Allah a rival in those affairs which are unique and specific to Allah. Meaning the affairs of worship. So in mahabbah, in tawakkul, in khawf, in raja, in all of these things, these are things which are specific and unique only to Allah You cannot take anyone to be a rival in that affair. Because this now enters into the shirk which is prohibited. And he says, for indeed it is from the most evil and repugnant of sins, the most dangerous of them. And Allah does not forgive the sin, which is when you take a nid, a rival with Allah The shaykh says, in explanation of an ayah as it relates to the people of Ibrahim alayhi salam. The ayah, qalu wahum fiha yakhtasimun. This now is speaking about the people of idol worship who will be in the hellfire. And they will start arguing and disputing with each other and discussing with each other. So, qalu wahum fiha yakhtasimun. They will say, whilst they are, you know, arguing therein, Tallahi in kunna lafi mubin. They will acknowledge and say, by Allah, we were indeed in manifest misguidance. Idh nusawikum birabbil alameen. They will be having a dialogue with the things that they worshipped, <coughs> with the deities that they worshipped in hellfire. And they will realize that they were utterly misguided. They will acknowledge this. And they will address those deities and they will say, By Allah, we were, we were, we were indeed in manifest misguidance. When is نُسَوِّيكُمْ بِرَبِّ Alamin, When we made you equal with the Lord of the worlds. So here, the Mufassirun, they speak about this verse, when, when these people will say, When we made you equal with the Lord of the worlds. What does this mean? This, this taswiyah, which means to make equal, this was in the issue of al-mahabbah. This was in the issue of love. And in those issues which are unique only to Allah Azza wa Jal. So the Shaykh says, uh, in fact, we see that Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he has a nice comment upon this, uh, uh, this verse. He says, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, that it, it, it is known that they didn't equate their idols or their deities with the essence of Allah. They didn't say that these deities in their essences are the, are the same as the essence of Allah. Nor did they say that these deities in their attributes, in their qualities, are the same as the qualities of Allah and the attributes of Allah. Nor did they say that these deities in the actions that they do, they are the same as the actions of Allah Rather, nor did they say that the deities have created the heavens and the earth, or that they give life, or that they take life, but rather, But rather they made these deities equal to Allah, in the love that they showed to them, and the veneration that they showed to them, and their worship of these deities, just as you see 
taking place from the people of shirk who ascribe to Islam. So the people of shirk, there are people who ascribe to Islam. But they are people of shirk because they worship deities. They don't say that they are creators, owners, providers, give life, take life, and so on and so forth. They control benefit, control. I don't say that. But in mahabba and tawakkul and these things, and they direct acts of worship to them. This is where the, the taswiyah, this is where the equating is taking place. So this is from Ibn al-Qayyim in uh, Madarij al-Salikin. So the Shaykh says, so beware and beware that you love something with the love that is due to Allah or even more. Because many people, they fall into this and refugees with Allah. This is a great and mighty, a great dangerous affair. So a believer should be very aware, he should understand and be aware of the thoughts that pass through his mind, the feelings that pass through his heart, the things that he you know, perceives and you know, he thinks about. All of these things, a believer should be aware of what is taking place and passing through his mind and his heart. And you know, uh, 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 of these affairs of tawakkul and raghba, aspiration for certain things and rahba and being up, apprehensive and fearful of certain things and mahabba, loving certain things. So all of this, when a person makes tawakkul, he makes tawakkul upon Allah. He doesn't rely upon people in the same way that reliance should be upon Allah. Why? Because this affair is mighty indeed. And because tawakkul is something Allah has commanded. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ so upon Allah place your reliance if indeed you are believers. You alone do we worship and from you alone do we seek aid. And seeking aid is tawakkul. This is what is meant. That when you seek aid from Allah, you ask him obviously, but you seek aid by, by putting the reliance of the heart upon Allah. This is part and parcel of tawakkul. So there is a connection between isti'ana and tawakkul. Between tawakkul and isti'ana. So, just like there are acts of worship which are specific and unique to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then likewise tawakkul is something very specific, specific to Allah. And the one who makes his tawakkul upon Allah, Allah has promised that Allah will suffice him. For he said, وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَزْبُهُ Whoever places his reliance upon Allah, Allah will be sufficient for him. Allah will suffice him. And وَقَالَ تَعَالَىٰ أَيْدًا فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّهُ عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْتُ وَهُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمُ Say, sufficient is Allah. There is none worthy worship except He. Upon Him have I placed my reliance and He is the Lord of the mighty throne. So again now the Shaykh asks the question, how can you rely upon other than Allah when He is the one who is sophist you? And to place reliance upon Him is sufficient for the believer. So do not rely upon other than Allah. And the same applies to all of the other actions of worship. So these two are just illustrations. Al-Mahabba and Tawakkul. But the same applies to all of the other forms and manifestations of worship. No one should seek neeness to Allah or no one should seek neeness to other than Allah by way of any of these acts of worship because they are specific and unique to Allah because He is Al-Ma'boodul Haqq. He is the true deity. And this is the essence of the meaning of La ilaha illallah. This is Tawheed. So Ibadah is an affair that brings together everything which Allah loves and is pleased with from the inward and the outward statements and actions as explained by Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. So, when you put this ibadah in its proper place, which is to Allah Zawajal, this is what is meant by adal. This itself is, this is justice. This is the greatest justice that there can ever be. This is the justice for which the heavens and the earth were created. So you have now abided by the greatest justice. And if you take these acts of worship and put them elsewhere, you direct them to someone else, this now is the greatest injustice. It goes against everything for which Allah created the heavens and the earth. It goes against everything. It is the greatest injustice. And hence, 
Allah does not forgive that injustice. For that reason, as we've seen in the ayah previously, in Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi wa yaghfiru ma duna dhalika liman yasha. Indeed, Allah does not forgive that shirk is made with him, but he forgives what is less than that to whomever he wills. Likewise, another ayah which explains the danger of shirk. وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَكَأَنَّمَا خَرَّ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَتَخْتَفُهُ فَتَخْتَفُهُ الطَّيْرِ أَوْ تَحْوِي بِهِ الرِّيحُ فِي مَكَانٍ صَحِيقٍ The one who commits shirk with Allah, it is as if he has been, uh, that, that he is falling from, this, from the heaven and the bird snatches him or he is blown by the wind into some distant far off place. Surat Al-Hajj 22 verse number 31. So look at the danger of shirk itself. Look at how dangerous is shirk. فَكَأَنَّمَا خَرَّ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَتَخْتَفُهُ الطَّيْرِ It is as if he is being, he's falling from the heaven or a bird snatches him. Meaning that it is as if this person is a corpse. He's a corpse. And his corpse is in different pieces. There's different pieces which are in different places. And all of this really is a wastage. This is a wastage of him. This is the consequence and the result of shirk. So this is the likeness of a person who commits shirk and this is his reality so therefore the shaykh says let us be beware of shirk with severe caution and let us avoid it as it truly should be avoided and this can only happen the shaykh says except after knowledge. You will not know the reality of shirk except when you study the book of Allah and the sunnah of the messenger of Allah when you study the statements of the people of knowledge in this topic, and this you will find in books which have been specifically authored for this purpose. For example, Kitab al-Tawheed and al-Ubudiyya of Shaykh al-Islam al Likewise, the Shuruh, the various explanations of Kitab al-Tawheed, such as Fathul Majid and Taysir al-Aziz al-Hamid. These are all books of explanation, of commentary upon the Kitab al-Tawheed. Likewise, the books of Ibn Taybi ibn Qayyim, and books of the Salaf and so on and so forth. So after this section, the Shaykh then goes on to briefly discuss Tawheed itself and summarize what it is. And so he begins by explaining the uh, three types of Tawheed, the three aspects of Tawheed, which we'll finish with inshallah ta'ala. So he says, it is obligatory upon us that we know the types of Tawheed. So the first of them is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. It is the Tawheed of Allah's Lordship. And we do not associate any partners with Allah in His Rububiyyah, in His Lordship. So Allah Azawajal, Fallahu Azawajal, Huwa Ladi Biyadihi Al Hayat, Wal Maut, Wal Rizq, Wal Ata, Wal Mana. Allah Azawajal is the one in whose hand is life and death and sustenance and giving and withholding. Walahul Mulk, Kulluh. And to him belongs the dominion 
and to him belongs all of the affair. So all of these affairs are in the hand of Allah, they belong to Allah. And this is from his rububiyyah. And this is something we something that we repeat and repeat often and often again is that we should not be deceived by um, you know the 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 um, the doubts and the misconceptions of the disbelievers from the nature worshippers and the naturalists. This is something that we must clearly understand and teach to our children. These people who are present today with their ideas of naturalism and denying that there is a creator, their falsehood is very, very simple. It's just a, it's just a swindle and it's, a, it's like a magic trick. Like a magician does a trick, he's doing a trick and he's diverting your attention from the, way, from the real trick underlying what he's trying to do. And it's the same with their sciences. They're doing the same thing with the sciences. The matter is very simple. The, these things that you see mentioned here, Al-Hayat, Wal-Mawt, Wal-Rizq, Wal-Ata, Wal-Man'a. These are things which belong, these are things that Allah has power over. In the creation of Allah, we see what indicates to us that there are clearly attributes that are behind the creation. There is knowledge behind the creation. There is power behind the creation. There is wisdom behind the creation. This is apparent in our study of life and the phenomena that we see around us is very clearly apparent that there, that there is ilm and irada and hikmah and qudra and so on and so forth. This is apparent. So now the dispute is where do we put these attributes? Who do they belong to? Do they belong to a being who is outside of the universe, who is the creator of the universe? Where do you put these attributes? So the swindle of the naturalists is to ascribe these attributes to what is created itself, to nature itself. So knowledge, power, creating, giving life, taking life, they just throw it back upon nature itself. Right? So nature is the, the creator and the provider and the sustainer. And then this is all very cleverly disguised with you know speculative theories and, and so on and so forth. So it's all just like a trick that, that they are playing. And so we should teach this to our children, this simple fact, we should teach it to our children. Right? So the children, our children are not deceived by these complex you know, uh, arguments and so on and so forth. It is like, as I said before, the example I said before, that when you look at this bottle, just by looking at this bottle, you know that behind this bottle there is elm, there is knowledge of you know, uh, different sciences, of making glass and of printing and labeling. And you know, there's obviously a person who made this, had a reason, had a wisdom, had a, had a purpose behind this. There's obviously irada behind this. So now the question is, where do we put those attributes which are apparent from this? Where do we ascribe, to whom do we ascribe these attributes that are, that are apparent just by looking at this? The same with the microphone, the same thing with the table, the same thing with everything. These attributes are very apparent and clear. Where do we put these attributes now? Right? So these naturalists that are present today, the, the atheists and all, all these people, all they are doing is playing a trick and saying, right, we'll take these attributes and throw them upon, put them upon the bottle itself. That's where they belong. And there's no creator, there's no maker, there's no, there wasn't a person who basically, you know, thought of the, the, the wisdom behind having a glass bottle and the top and the labeling. There wasn't a person who had a, a purpose behind this microphone. It doesn't exist. Just take the attributes and throw them upon the thing itself. And this is madness. This is stupidity. This is the reality of what they are upon. But it's laid upon, you know, deception of a very sophisticated nature clothed with technical terms and everything that's what it all is whether it's cosmology whether it's the, the, the you know the uh, conjectures in in uh, evolution and so on this is this is all it is nothing more nothing less so this is the rububi of allah azawajal al-hayat wal-maut wal-rizq wal-ata wal-man'a all of these they belong to they are with a creator who is unique in these affairs this is the rububi of allah azawajal then after this tawheed in Allah's names and his attributes. This creator then that we've established, he is perfect in his names and his attributes. He has beautiful names and lofty attributes. And these have been mentioned in detail in the Quran and the Sunnah. And in one particular hadith, it is mentioned indeed to, to Allah belong 99 names 
a hundred minus one, whoever enumerates them, meaning who memorizes them, knows their meaning, abides by them, then he will enter paradise. So upon a Muslim is to follow them up, find them, learn them, and worship Allah by what they require from him. And finally, Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, this is the Tawheed that the messengers were sent with, and it is the most important of the types of Tawheed, the loftiest of them, and it is for this reason, this is to worship Allah alone, to direct all forms and types of worship only to Allah. It is for this purpose that the creation was actually created, and for which the messengers were actually sent, and for which the books were actually revealed. It is on this issue that disputes took place between the prophets and the people to whom they were sent. It is on this issue that mankind is divided into the one who is wretched, shaqi, and the one who is pleased, who will be successful, the sa'id. And so the meaning of this type of tawheed is ikhlas to Allah, singling out Allah, making all worship only for Allah, whether it is outward or inward, whether it is a small act of worship or a large act of worship, that none of this is directed to other than Allah. And any person who worships other things besides Allah, then this person is a mushrik billah, and with a shirk akbar, and it is the greatest sin which is not forgiven. So this ends the discussion of the first type of dhulm. The first type of oppression that is prohibited in accordance to what we find in this hadith, Ya ibadi, inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi, wa ja'altuhu baynakum muharrama fala tadhalamu. O my servants, indeed I have made oppression unlawful upon myself, and I have made it unlawful upon you, so do not oppress each other. This is the first and the greatest type of dhulm which is prohibited which is committing shirk with Allah Azawajal. And as for what is next, it is the dhulm that is between you and between Allah in the sense that you commit sins. You wrong yourself. It is, it is dhulm upon your own soul. And this is something that we'll discuss next, inshallah ta'ala, in the next lesson, where that will conclude our lesson here for today. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu alameen ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.